Good morning, Journey family. You'll have to excuse my voice. I'm battling some allergies, and uh, sorry about that. But uh, we do want to go through a couple things. Uh, we really do believe that we're better together. Say together. We really do believe we're better together, and that happens in small groups. Uh, some of you are in small groups. Uh, some of you are not, and we encourage you to get into those groups. We've got groups that are meeting every single week, uh, so if you want information about that, you can go to guest services back here by the coffee bar, and there'll be a volunteer to answer any questions you might have about small groups. Uh, Zoom group started a new study this past week, and I have the books. So if you are part of the Zoom group and you don't have a book yet, uh, find me by the office over here. Uh, after service, and I will get you a book uh, to start. I believe they're on chapter one this week. Uh, Justin's not here. He's in the back right now. Uh, but Justin leads that group, and uh, if you want to see him for any questions about the Zoom group, uh, find him after service. I do want to say thank you to everyone that donated cereal uh, the past couple weeks for our local food pantry. Uh, we donated around $500 total between uh, cereal that was brought in and their value and also a $300 check. Uh, from you guys is given to the Tide Jug Ministry. So that's awesome. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's awesome. Uh, one thing that happened while we were loading up the cereal, uh, we were loading it up outside in the cars, getting ready to take it last Wednesday. And uh, when that happened, the AutoZone employees were back uh, outside, and they said, what are you doing? And uh, we told them what we were doing. And uh, without hesitation, one of them just pulled out a $50 bill and gave it. And so your impact goes farther than just our community, our local food pantry. Uh, it affects other people, too. So just want you all to know that what you're doing matters. No matter how much you give in that jug, if it's just pocket change or if it's $100, um, it is affecting more people than you realize uh, in our community. So thank you all for doing that. And we're going to partner with the food pantry here probably closer to Christmas time. I'm having a meeting uh, with the head of the food pantry, and uh, we're going to talk about how to get involved more in our community uh, with our food pantry. Um, annual picnic is happening Sunday, October 29th. I'm excited to announce this. Uh, the menu for that day is Raisin Cane's Chicken Tenders, uh, which is my absolute favorite. So if you all want to join us for that, uh, we're going to have chicken, rolls, and drinks provided by the church, uh, but we're doing it potluck style. So if your last name begins with A through L, be sure to bring a side, and last names M through Z, bring a dessert. And we're going to have some activities and games, not just for the kids, but for the older people as well. All of us are going to be playing some bingo and some other games just to kind of have some fun and fellowship together. So stick around for that if you want to stick around for some games um, after we eat at the potluck. Starting this weekend, uh, we are taking up money in the Thai jug, a cash and check, for our trick-or-treat outreach. Um, if you're newer to Journey, you might know us as the church that gives out pizza on Halloween. Uh, we gave out 750 slices last year in 35 minutes, and uh, we're planning to do that again. Say again? Yeah. Let's do it again. So here's a couple ways you can help. Uh, you can give to the Tide Jug cash and check to provide costs for extra pizza. Uh, we are partnering with Hunt Brothers Pizza, and they're donating 80 large pizzas uh, completely free. We don't have to pay anything. And uh, so if you're watching Hunt Brothers people, thank you so much for your partnership. And uh, if we run out in like 10 minutes or something, uh, we might have to go get some more pizza. So uh, that will cover that as well. But it's also going to help us cover candy because once we run out of pizza, uh, we are going to hand out candy. 
And you'll notice a big black bucket over here beside this table uh, right here on the, uh, by the stage. You can drop in candy in that bucket if you want to bring some in, um, if you want to help that way as well. So you can give cash or check, you can give candy, and you can also volunteer. There's a table over here with a sign-up sheet and time slots. There's 30-minute time slots for the length of trick-or-treat and also 30 minutes before and after for setup and teardown crew. So if you want to help with that, just leave your name and your phone number and you can circle one of those time slots, or if you're like some of our other loyal volunteers, they circle the entire thing. So, And that's awesome. So if you want to sign up for that, do that today. Uh, Trick or Treat is October 31st, uh, Halloween night, 6 to 8 downtown at the courthouse. And we have the first spot in line there. So if you're going to be there, uh, Trick or Treat, and if you're watching online somehow and you find this, uh, come get a slice of pizza, and uh, let's tell people about Jesus and how he loves them, and he is for them, not against them. So we're in a series called Forward Thinking, and uh, this weekend's message is about being different. Uh, We're talking about because of what God has done for us and what Jesus has done for us, we should be different and no longer live the life that we live any longer. Amen? Before we get started, would you pray with me, please? Father, right now I pray for uh, this weekend's message. I pray for Bobby as he brings forth a message about trying to be different for you because of what you've done. And you've called us to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And I pray right now, if there's anyone here that is looking for a little bit of a challenge this morning, uh, that they would be challenged to go out and to be your hands and feet and to just be different this morning. God, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, welcome. Let's find a Bible. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're in a series called Forward Thinking, Getting Past My Past. And I'm going to pick you up a bit. I want to tell you that all of us have great potential because we have a good, good God. Say amen. And dream big, guys. Come on, dream big. Dream bigger than you came in here thinking about life and the world and your situation and your sadness or whatever's happened. Everybody's got a story. Dream big, you have great ambitions that are still possible because God is with us. He is a good God, good, good God, good Father. And when we are different in a God kind of way, it is contagious. People like places next door at AutoZone do ask questions. Why would you give away cereal to the food pantry? People you've never met, why would you give away 600 bucks of uh, cereal, five, six hundred dollars? Why? Why would you give away pizza? Why do you do? Why would you do that? Because God would. Because Jesus would. The church would. Uh, really, it really is. It's contagious when people began to notice, and they do notice that you are different and weird, in a God kind of way. Now, all of us probably know somebody who was a little different. Maybe in school, maybe in high school, middle school, maybe college, maybe as young adults in their jobs. Maybe they were really, you know, brainiacs, very academic. Maybe they were, you know, straight A, 4.0, all through school, 
aced every test they ever took. Maybe you met people like that. Or, or maybe you just met other people that were weird and different in other kind of ways, and you're like, you know. I met a guy. I knew a guy. His name was Mark. And Mark was that kind of guy that, you know, when he was a junior in high school, uh, everybody thought he was going to uh, he was going to be a Nobel Peace Prize winner or something after he got out of high school. I mean, he was just a nerdy kind of bookworm kind of person. But he got lonely his junior year. By the time he got to his senior year, he didn't have a lot of friends because he was kind of weird with books. And next thing you know, uh, the guy that I'm talking about and the story Mark, uh, you know, he decided that he would rather just try to be regular and forget trying to be himself. And next thing you know, he his ambitions and his desires about the future, his dreams kind of tanked and he just kind of got lost. Maybe maybe you know people like that that just kind of lost themselves and really didn't have a purpose and a direction, lost their dream, lost their ambitions. And somebody who finally bumped into Mark later found out he was uh, he was working somewhere at a snack bar selling snow cones for 45 cents. He, he really didn't meet his potential. It could be somebody that's really smart that really doesn't use their abilities to do good things. Or it might even be somebody who just loves God and loves people and has great potential to change the world and, you know, do a lot of good things like give away cereal boxes or give away pizza or give away cars like Journey has done or help build houses like Journey has done. Maybe it's that person that's really a good person but it feels like, you know, I'm the only one doing this and I'd like to be regular and have friends and be normal and people kind of isolate me and don't sit with me anymore and I don't talk to anybody. And maybe you've kind of give up on the God dream that God gave you. I want to encourage you that being regular and being normal like everybody else is not a cool thing. Be you. Be who God made you be. And then be nice. Be kind. Be your best version that you can possibly be. Be different, but be different in a God kind of way. And I'm going to describe what that looks like in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you're kind of taking notes, write this down. There's a danger that in our attempt to be normal and regular and to fit in with everybody else, we'll just end up being average and mediocre. That's not very good. It's not very good if you're a real high academic overachiever. It's not even very good if you're somebody that loves God and loves people and you have a passion for doing more, but you give up that dream. Being different, not just regular, is what God wants us to be, but in a God kind of way. The Bible says in Jesus' own words, Matthew chapter 5, you probably heard these, that we who love God and love people and follow Jesus are to be the salt and light of the world. We are to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We'll bring flavor and direction and guidance and caring and kindness. And, and we are to lead. We are to set the example for other people. The church should set the example for everybody in the neighborhood. And we try to do that. Journey tries to do that. And if you follow Jesus, you should try to do that. And be different in a God kind of way. Say different 
yeah, not just regular and normal and average and mediocre like everybody else, but that you really are different in a good kind of way. So let's look at this passage. Let's look at this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. I'm going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read it in a couple of ways, and then we're going to wrap up at the end before we do communion with a couple of tips. I've got five, five tips from chapter 4 in Ephesians about uh, maybe obstacles to be aware of if you're trying to be different and weird in a God kind of way, some things that we have to keep working on even after we, even after we meet Jesus. Three C's, if you've got a note in front of you, here's the first C. Here's something that has to begin. If you're going to really be different and weird in a God kind of way, we have to decide that after we meet Jesus, we have to make a clean cut with the past. Forward thinking and getting past my past is you've got to pick better friends. Some of your friends are not the friends that can help you get where you need to go. They really aren't. And it's a tough thing to do, but it is important for us to make a clean cut with our past, our past life. Not, not very easy, but it is important. Can I encourage you to go see a movie? Connie and I haven't seen it yet. We've seen the podcast of Phil Robertson and the Robertson family of Duck Dynasty. We've listened to the interviews. We haven't actually sat down in a theater yet. It is in theaters this weekend, then it'll be on Netflix. You can buy it on Netflix. Phil Robertson's story of his life is called In the Blind. It is a story of how he was a drunk, had great potential. He had a great football career. He was friends with Terry Bradshaw. He played uh, college football as a quarterback at Georgia Tech. He would have probably played in the NFL, but he was ruining his life with alcohol and he was wrecking his family and it's uh, his story that he tells about how God's amazing grace uh, brought hope when he was hopeless and there's this part of the story the movie and everything that was a reality not just a movie where Phil Robertson as he was running a bar selling beer, taking his kids to the bar every day to work, his wife ruining them and the example, fighting every day and night with people at the bar. Uh, he said a preacher walked in who looked like a preacher, had a coat in town with his wife, and everybody in the place was inebriated, three sheets in the wind, ready to spit and cuss at anyone. And uh, this preacher walks over to him, and tries to share the story of who Jesus is, that Jesus really is for everybody, and nobody's hopeless, and nobody's unredeemable, and even you, Phil Robertson, can be redeemed. And he had just about hit the bottom and, of his life, and the bottom of the bucket, and the bottom of the bottle, and he had already got so mad and angry at everything in life. He'd run his wife off, his kids off. He'd run them out of the house, cussing, spitting. You've got to see the movie. You got to watch it. You got to listen. But Phil Robertson says that when that preacher told me, when I told him, I didn't know what else I could do. He said, The preacher looked at me and said, You got to die. You've got to die to the person that you are, the old person, and you've got to walk away. And Phil said, How do I do that? He said, Let's go. 
and he took him down to the river and he buried his old man in the bottom of the river. If you have a God relationship and you have a Jesus relationship and you're trying to keep one foot in the world and one foot in the church, you got to die, buster. You got to die and put it at the bottom of the river and leave it there. His drinking buddies, his bar buddies, his alcoholic buddies came to get him the next weekend and said, hey, we're going to pick you up Friday night. We're going to do what we always do. Phil says, I, I ain't going nowhere with you. He said, the guy that you used to pick up, he's in the bottom of the river, and he's not coming back. You and I, if we're going to have forward thoughts and get past our past, is you got to bury the old guy in the bottom of your own river, wherever it is. And then things begin to happen. Dreams and ambitions that God has for us really do begin to develop. And Paul writes about this in the story for us to read in this danger that in our desire to just be regular and average, we're just like everybody else, mediocre. And if we're really going to be different, we've got to decide to make this clean cut with some of the people and friends in our past and say, I'm not going with you. You're, I'm done with that life. Look at verse 17. Let's read it. If you don't have a Bible, just look at the screen. So I tell you this. You're not going to like to listen, but listen for a second. I tell you this, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, and I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live like you used to. Your old person that met Jesus and you buried him in the bottom of a river. You can't live like that anymore. Don't go get him and bring him back up like the Gentiles do. Old habits, friends, and family before Jesus can't go back there. And their futility of thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance. I don't, I don't really mean, or I don't think the Apostle Paul even intended for us to think that it's ignorance like I'm just stupid, but we take the stupid pill. You're not stupid. You're really pretty sharp. Everybody is. You're capable. But we take the stupid pill and think that we can handle this, and we can't, and we become unwilling to change and very difficult, stubborn. That is in these people that Paul is describing like us that uh, don't want to change after Jesus due to the hardening of our hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality. Things get darker in our life. Over time, it gets worse so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Sin will... Sin will uh, have an appetite. You can't fill it. You'll never make it. You'll never satisfy it. It always wants more. Whatever your, whatever your sin problem, alcohol, drugs, lying, money, working all the time, making money, spending money, whatever it might be. Verse 20, he says, Paul says to us, You, however, did not come to know Jesus that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught from the Bible in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your old friends, family, 
people at work, people at school, people in the hallway, people that's on my phone right now. You were taught in him, in Jesus, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, with regard to your former way of life, to put that off. Put off your old self buried in the bottom of the river and don't go get it again, which is being corrupted by its evil, deceitful desires. So there is this problem that all of us have after we have a God awakening. And I assume you have. If you're in here today and you're online with us today, I assume you've had a God awakening. Like, what's happening in the world? These people are fighting. And you talk about horrible, tragic stories that are happening with terrorism and Israel and Palestine. You're, you're right now. All of us are scratching our head like, what's wrong with the world? What's, what is going on? Why, how can people be so evil? You're having a spiritual awakening probably around us every moment thinking about the world that we live in, but you can make it more personal and just looking at your own life. You don't have to be a terrorist and you don't have to be fighting and shooting and killing somebody. You can just be trying to live your life your own way, not the God way. And it really does create a lot of sadness and sorrow and our, our heart begins to harden. And so... You can't party and live like uh, I'm in Vegas all the time and live with Jesus at the same time. It's going to create a conflict in our personal life. Look at verse 17. The Apostle Paul says, listen, church, it's time for you to begin cleaning up some things that used to be a regular everyday occurrence in your life, but you can't do that anymore. It's like seeing a scruffy beard on your face and you let it get out of hand. It's like you begin to let it grow and you never trim it. It's like that you don't look in the mirror anymore and you don't care what you look like. And that's what happens, Paul says in verse 17, when we start to let, you know, overnight some of these whiskers begin to grow and our habits that we used to have and they creep back in. Verse 18, he gets even a little more detail when he tells us how far some people can let themselves go. He says their minds become darkened. What's that mean? It means sin has this accumulative effect where it begins to stack up. Snow's coming sooner or later. Some of you are hoping by Christmas. I don't even want to talk to you, but I'm just saying. Snow's are coming sooner or later because you live in Kentucky of some kind. But when you get one of those big blizzards, when you get one of those big snows, you know, it's, it's got several inches. It's got 12, 14 inches of snow, and it piles up in your driveway. It's hard to get your shovel to the bottom. It's stacked up so deep you can't get there. It takes a lot of work and a lot of time to get to the bottom, to where you want to clean it all away. And Paul gives us this picture, this metaphor of how our minds, verse 18, our minds become darkened, and pretty soon you can't see the bottom. You're not who you used to be. You're not the Jesus person that you started out. You're not the person that loved God and people and your family and the world and others and neighbors. You're not that guy. You let whiskers begin to pop out and you begin to not trim anything. You begin to just not care at all and you let it go. And Paul says in verse 18, by that time your mind has become so darkened you don't even realize it. You can't see it anymore. Things begin to pile up. You begin to do stuff and think stuff. And pretty soon we have this problem that we lose the ability to feel. You just get numb. That's what happens with alcohol, drugs, habit lives that aren't of God, ungodly kind of habits. 
you stand outside in a blizzard looking at how deep the snow has gotten and pretty soon you're so cold that you're numb you have no feeling and people who have let their hearts become darkened and let things begin to pile up they lose their ability to have a conscience to have any feeling at all of right and wrong and they become numb and then there's lying again and there's stealing and addictions and bitterness and hate and sexual attraction it's not biblical it's not of god it's not something that honors god and sin will mess us up in ways that we aren't able to process things and are thinking correctly write this down the longer you stand in the cold the more numb you get so i'm not going back to that church because they said things that i didn't agree with I'm not going to say a prayer anymore because I prayed a prayer and God didn't answer the prayer that I was praying. And pretty soon you make a decision that you're just not going to try it anymore and you let yourself go. You might have made a decision about God and about Jesus and you might have surrendered all, but you've taken it all back. And like Phil Robertson said, you better leave it in the bottom of the river or you end up worse than you started. Say amen? I'm telling you. Verse 18, hardening their hearts is like cement that begins to dry. If you step in it, don't stay very long or you're stuck. And some of us are stuck right now. Some of you that are looking at me and listening to me are stuck in some kind of habit that you know, some kind of activity, some kind of thought, some kind of feeling. You've read the Bible. You've heard the stories. You believe in God and you believe in Jesus. You've made a Jesus decision. Some of you that are online know exactly what I'm saying. You have stood in the cement so long you can't get out. You're stuck like cement drying. Hardened hearts. The Greek word for hardened is petrified. It's paralysis. Over time, a person becomes insensitive, calloused, and has no conscience. And they'll walk out the door on their kids like Phil Robertson did. They'll kick their kids right out of the house. In a, in a drunken rage in a rainstorm, he ran them out the front door in his underwear with a bottle of beer in his hand, cussing and kicking everybody. Kicked them out of the house. Pretty soon it gets that bad when you get in that kind of shape. Verse 19, Paul says, Our lust and desire for sin will never be satisfied, and it's a rabbit hole you don't want to go down. It really is a trap. Sin will take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. Say amen. Amen. So don't run away from God. He is the good shepherd. We are all sheep. And once you find out that you're invited to the Jesus party and God really is for everybody, it is quite foolish for us to run away from him who is our rescuer and redeemer. And he loves you in spite of whatever it is that's happened in your life. That you're numb and paralyzed and have paralysis and you're frozen over like ice in your heart, unwilling to change. He's still trying to reach us. No matter who you are, there is nobody that is hopeless, as God says, and Phil Robertson says, and Bobby D said. There is nobody hopeless, and there's nobody unredeemable. 
I told you about the guy that I met at the YMCA in Paris in the locker room. I don't even know his name. A businessman. I overheard his conversation. He worked for himself. He had his own money. And he said three statements. I'm unfireable. Nobody can fire me. I'm unhirable. I work for myself. And I'm unredeemable. That's three big sentences. And as long as he has that attitude, he's right. There ain't nobody can save him until he surrenders all. But there is nobody lost and hopeless, and not even him, if he meets Jesus. And so God is for even that person. God is for that arrogant person who feels like, I don't need a God. I'm my own God. God's even for that guy. Even the guy that, even the people that put him on the cross, Jesus was for him too. There isn't anybody. No, not you or anyone else. God really is for all of us. The world is controlled, verse 18, verse 19, by our evil desires, and it has a dark side. And we're seeing it today in Israel, in Palestine, Hamas, Hezbollah, and other nations fighting with each other. Every Christian can choose. You don't have to go to the Holy Lands. You can, around your own kitchen table, every Jesus person can choose to be different and help others do the same. Even for those where the lights have gone out, their hearts have grown cold. It's not easy, but you can really help others when you make a clean cut with the past. If you're still trying to play it both ways, like I'm a little bit in the church, but on Monday I'm back in the world, you're not going to help much. You've got to make a choice and bury the old guy in the bottom of the river and leave him there. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Yeah, be weird, all right? Be weird in a God kind of way. And it begins by really making this clean cut with the old person you were. Don't go get that guy again. And here's a second. If there's three C's. I'll give you them as quick as I can. Make a complete commitment to this new way of life. Embrace your new identity. Embrace it, man. Just run toward it. Run toward God. Don't run away from him. <laughs> give away your stuff. Give away your stuff. Time, talent, and treasure, give it away. Before Jesus, you were just selfish. That's all. You wanted it your way. You wanted the money in your pocket. Give everything away. Before you die, give it away. Why not? Time, talent, and treasure. Before you can't get up and walk across the room, get up and run across the room and help somebody. Say amen? amen. Give it away. Embrace this com completely like I don't own any of this. My health, my money, my family, I'm just going to, I surrender all. Give all this stuff like giving cereal boxes away, like giving pizza away. Give it all away. That's how you really have this forward thinking, getting past or past, make a clean cut, a break with the past, get better friends, and then make this total commitment with everything that we have and give it to God. Verse 23, 24, to be made new in the attitude of our minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Ask God to show you what it looks like in your everyday life. What does it mean for me to go to school and be righteous and holy? I sure don't act that way or think that way, but God, will you help me do that better? Start praying about how you can look and resemble more what God wants you to look like. 
instead of what you want to be like. Our old way of living and thinking and breathing and walking and existing has got to die. Stop it. Stop it. It's mostly selfish. It was mostly about us. Getting past our past and our narcissistic kind of attitudes and having it our way is the only way. More cash, more money, more what I like, newer everything. You got to let it go. Jot it down, jot this down. To be more like Christ is to value the things that he values. Put that in there. People matter most. Nobody is unredeemable. Nobody is without hope. You like people that like you, but I mean, you got you got to learn how to like people that don't even like you. You got to learn how to do it because Jesus would. Verse 22, before Jesus, we were selfish. Verse 23 and 24, after Jesus, we have a new purpose. And it's not about being selfish. It really is. It's a different way to live. We stink at we stink at this. We all stink at this. We stink at serving other people. We think other people ought to serve us. Until Jesus takes over, dude, I'm telling you, you stink. Say stink. Man, I stink too. Until Jesus takes over, you stink at this stuff because we're human. We're people. We're flawed. And that's why marriages break up. Because it's more about me, not us. We get stubborn, difficult. Won't work. Well, I'm not going to work on this. Until Jesus takes over, until Jesus takes hold, until this happens and we begin to embrace it completely, a clean break with the past, and then we begin to try to do this thing that God wants us to do completely with him, giving up our whatever, our time, talent, resources, weekends, giving up our stuff. It's like coming out of treatment after you've been in treatment and detox or you come out a better person. When you go in with Jesus, man, you don't come out the same. Make a clean break. Make a total commitment. Here's number three. Let me get through this. It isn't over. It's just started when we make a clean break and a commitment. Then you've got to continue this Christ-likeness until we get home to heaven. Look at verse 25. Verse 25. Let's wrap this up. Therefore, each of us, after we made a clean cut with the past and our old friends and habits, and we made a commitment to living a life of being a servant and not being so selfish. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Straighten things out sooner than later. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Yeah. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's pretty important. Verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Yeah. Brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. 
<laughs> we get so mad at each other, we don't even want to talk to each other. You made me mad. I ain't talking to you. <laughs> this is hard to do. This is really hard to do because we're just regular people that get frustrated. But Jesus wants to change all that. Keep working on it. Big dreams, big ambitions, you can, you can, but it. God is a good, good father. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Work on this stuff. Work on it every day. Even after you came to church and brought your Bible and said a prayer and you got baptized, we're still defective even after we made a conversion to Jesus. You are defective. So am I. We are still flawed. We have flaws. All of us have these flaws that we'll have to work on the rest of our life. Nobody gets everything right. We're not Jesus. Not 100% of the time. We're not like that. We have things that we have to keep working on. Can I give you an illustration? It's like a carpet. See this big, see this carpet I'm standing on, this beautiful white, you know, it's got, it's great. But until you spill something on it, you spill communion juice on it, you spill something on it, it's got a stain. And the thing about carpet is, if you've ever had a carpet that got a stain and you spill something, maybe a, you know, some kind of drink or some kind of food, whatever it was that you spilled and you cleaned it up and you thought it was gone, it has a funny way that it bleeds back again. When you think you've got it cleaned up, carpet stains want to come back and reappear. Sins that way. We, our life is like a carpet. And, and Jesus cleans us up and we take communion and we say a prayer and, and I surrender all and I've got this stain in my life that I thought Jesus cleaned. And he did. He cleaned it up but pops up again. And you have to keep cleaning and working and struggling and praying and trying to get rid of that again. It really is a process. It's, it's a long process that God is helping us with. You can clean it up, but down deep in our heart, it just keeps popping up again. And it's the, it's the same for all of us. Let me read this out of the message paraphrase. I'm about done. I said I was. I will. Look in the message paraphrase, Romans chapter 7. The Apostle Paul writes about himself. Paul wrote half of the New Testament Bible. Listen to what Paul wrote about himself. I know that all of God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. The power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions. I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to be bad, and then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in the delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. It's, it's tough, guys. There is a way out, and help is available, but it is like those carpet stains that want to pop up again and reappear and it is frustrating and we should be we should be farther along than this but the truth is God is patient with us and he is kind with us and 
He gives us grace and mercy and opportunities and nobody's unredeemable and nobody's hopeless. But you got to keep working on these things and there is hope for all of us. Look at verse 24 and 25 about what Paul's conclusions were in his personal life. I've tried everything. I've been to detox. I've been to a therapist. I take medication. I tried to stop thinking those bad thoughts. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. Amen? Man, I'm telling you. We need Jesus and so does everybody else. The world needs more Jesus because we're all just people. And the only answer and the only solution to people that are killing each other in Israel right now is more Jesus. That's the only answer in that world, in nations that are at war, and in my own life, in your life, and in our family. The only answer is more Jesus. More Jesus. He, he acted, Jesus acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Amen? Yep. <laughs> I'm guilty too. So here's what I want to do to wrap this up. I'm going to give you five tips that are trouble spots that are in verse 25, 26, 27, and you can go back and read this again later. But here's five specific trouble spots that I think most of us who are here today are struggling with. And you guys who are online, some of this, these five trouble spots, you're struggling with them too. All of us are just people. But here's the five that is in this passage in chapter 4. Here's, look at verse 25. The first one, Paul says, we should stay away from falsehood. You don't always tell the truth. You, you have gotten into this habit of telling little white lies. Talking to you guys at home too. Because you're just people. When it's an awkward moment and it seems like, I don't know if I want to answer that completely. Tell the truth. That's, that's a trouble spot. You want, to forward, you want to think forward and get past the past. Paul says if you want to make a clean cut with the past, make a commitment to being a better version of yourself, and then working on this, not a casual kind of commitment of working on the better person that you're becoming, but that you're working on this all the time like a continual process of being more like Jesus, you've got to tell the truth. Look at verse 26, 27. You got to bury the hatchet. You got to bury the hatchet, and you got to get over it. Your anger, whatever you're mad about, get over it. Amen. You got to stop it. Whoever hurt you when you were a kid, whoever said bad things about you, you got to you got to get over this anger because that that's a trouble spot that will. The old man in the bottom of the river, the old guy that you used to be, he'll get loose again. Look at verse 28. Verse 28, he says, put away thievery. If you can work and you're sitting on your rump, get up off your rump and go get a job. 
Now, you all going to look at me like, Preacher, did he really say that? Yes, I really said that. It's in the Bible. You may not be stealing out of the offering plate, but you may be stealing from somebody else, your mom or your dad or your grandparents that are trying to pay your rent, and you won't go to work. Go to work. If you're healthy enough, you can go to work. There's plenty of jobs. Go get a job. Come on now. Say amen. That's a trouble spot in our culture today. We started paying people to not go to work, and we got stuck. That's okay. I mean, you know, God loves us anyway, but he doesn't want us to stay there. You can, we can do more. We can do better. Okay, i got to hurry. Look at verse 29. There's five of these. Here's, here's number four. Flee from bad language. Quit using that kind of stuff that you used to use because it made you feel like you were a cool person or a big guy or, you know, cool, whatever. Just, you got to change. It doesn't help. It isn't a good example. I've, I struggled with this. I've confessed this in sermons before and told Connie this and told Billy and Shirley Grayson this. I, I really embarrassed myself before she and I got married. We were we were married 51 years, but I was at Bianchi's. I was downtown. I was working at Weber's, and I was on a loadout crew and I was 20 years old, and I was with older guys, a lot older than me, and I was trying to tell the dirtiest story I could come up with so that they would think that I was a pretty cool guy. And I'm telling you, I was telling something that would have took the wallpaper right down off the wall, I'm sure. It was, it, it was not a good story. And I'm just sitting there, you know, thinking I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a king of the mountain. And sitting over here beside me at the next table was Connie's Sunday school teacher, who I was running from the church anyway, you talk about feeling like I need to die and find a hole and cover it up in a hurry. It broke me. I mean, it broke me in a hurry. Like, that's a bad idea. Change your language, guys. You don't have to use that language. Pick up other words, better words. It's a trouble spot. And here's the last one. It's kind of funny. Don't be so grumpy. Life is lumpy. Don't be so grumpy. Amen? A little lady told me last night, we had a birthday party last night, and... Uh, Terry Gates, he's 73, and Tammy brought in a cake, and we had balloons, and it was kind of fun. He he was surprised. He was excited. Yeah, we all sang happy birthday to him. And she told me as she came in the door, she said, you know, uh, whoever is your door greeter, probably you should pay them twice as much as whatever you pay them. We don't pay them nothing. <laughs> we ain't got no money. But her point was, your first impression is the person that you meet at the front door. When you go to work, when you go home, how you greet somebody has a big impact on how the rest of the day or night's going to go. And if you greet somebody and you're grumpy, it ain't going to go so well. Say amen? amen? Yeah, you need to smile more. You need to smile more. We all do. That's a trouble spot. Life is lumpy. Don't be grumpy. It does make a difference. Bottom line, it can be a wonderful life. It really can if you know what to look for. And I hope by now, and what I've described about Jesus, that you know what to look for. But in case not, I'm going to help you with communion. These guys are going to pass these communion trays. If you're new here at Journey, we've got two cups stacked on top of each other. And if you have a relationship with God and Jesus is your Savior, the bread, the little crackers on the bottom and the cups on the top, just take that and hold it for a second as they pass it to you. Go ahead and pass, pass those cups, guys. When you know what to look for, it can be a wonderful life. But if you're just trying to make more money, 
If you're just trying to catch a guy and get married or catch a girl and get married, if, if you're just trying to get, you know, discovered at college and somebody put you on their team or I don't know what it is that you're after, but when you figure out for certain what a wonderful life is all about, it really can be a great time. And so let me help you out before we take communion. In John chapter 14, verse 6, let me remind you what it says. Jesus, in his own words, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you discover Jesus personally, you've discovered real life. And if you can embrace that this morning and say, you know, Jesus kind of slid down the ladder, down the post, and down the bottom rungs and he's not been at the top of my ladder for a long time he's not the priority in my life I'm not as loyal as I thought I was well that's probably why you don't have such a wonderful life right now because you're seeking a lot of other stuff that's not at the top of your ladder get him back up there before you take communion get him back up there Jesus is the way the truth and the life John chapter 14 put the bread in your mouth About to get a cup. Still getting past. John 14, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And in John chapter 15, Jesus said, God is the gardener, Jesus is the vine, and you are the branch. And if you don't stay connected to the vine, you who are a branch, you're going to die. You'll wither. You need. You need to stay connected to Jesus who is the vine. Together? Let's pray. God, I'm not hopeless and neither is anybody else in this room or online. Not even in the whole world. John 3.16 says you died for everybody even when we're killing each other and we're acting horrible and evil that everybody can't be redeemed through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and the answer to war in the Middle East and the war that's in our heart right now. We're at war with ourselves. We're in a battle, and it's as serious as if somebody was shooting at us right now. We're battling whether I want to really listen and learn and turn and change and be a better version, or we're just going to keep doing it our way. It is a fight. It is a fight on our hands that we have between the old guy in the bottom of the river and the person that was raised to newness of life after Jesus' baptism. We have to fight as hard as we can every day. God, help us do that, and may you forgive us when we give up. Give us that desire once again to, to do it your way. Not our way, but your way. May, may we believe this. It is possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Drop those cups in the basket. If you've got an offering, you can put it in a plate for the Journey Church, or you can put your pocket change in that Tide jug. We'll help buy pizzas for people that's going to get pizza for trick-or-treat. We'll do stuff. Thanks for joining us online, guys. Hope you come back and join us real soon, and stay connected and stay engaged if you can with the mission of Journey, and we really are better together. Come on back soon. Let's sing another song, you guys who are still here. And